introducing Dave DeWalt. You're on mute at the minute, I think, but we'll... Uh... <laughs> It's a good start. How's it going, brother? I'm doing really well, Joseph. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it and uh, look forward to chatting. Oh, mate, it's good to see you. I see you at every single conference I attend. Uh, like I said, just before we went live, I uh, haven't had the chance to to say hello in person, but very much glad to to be able to do that now. Yeah, where, likewise, uh, good to see you. Where are you uh, based at the moment? Whereabouts are you? Actually, um, I live now in Arizona, Scottsdale, Arizona, right. and spend a lot of my time in San Francisco and Washington, D.C. with all the roles and things that I do. But I physically moved to Arizona now and enjoy the desert a little bit and golfing and uh, all the other things here in Arizona. It's wonderful. Yeah, I was going to say, I see you um, on LinkedIn. You're pretty much everywhere. Like, did you get any chance to spend Thanksgiving with the family? Was it a busy one? <laughs> Yeah, it was, I, I did. I got a chance. I did a double turkey um, Thanksgiving. I did one here in Arizona, and then I did another in my with my parents in Philadelphia area where I grew up, Pennsylvania. And uh, when you you know you got two turkeys in a in a two day period, it's a it's a little much, but uh, it was really fun. <laughs> Talking about growing up, um, I I normally run through uh, the career trajectory and where you've been and how you've got to where you are, Dave. But before I do that, I want to ask you, what would you have been if you hadn't got into, into this space? Oh gosh. Um, I'm not sure, but I was, I was born. I hate to say born leader because it's a really weird adage to kind of say, but uh, ever since I was a little kid, I was just this overachieving sort of um, crazy uh, OCD kind of kid. I grew up in uh, near Reading, Pennsylvania, so mm -hmm. coal regions, kind of factories and things going on. And my parents worked in factories, grew up near a candy factory and a battery plant. And uh, it was just very blue color. And, you know, I just saw myself doing something much different than staying right there and had dreams of trying to be the best at something in the world and yeah ultimately uh you know try to try to do that through sports and through learning and through education and then ultimately through my career love that and that's where i was going with it your sports because i interviewed chris layman from uh safeguard cyber and i can't remember how we come on uh, to talking about you but he said ah did you know that you was uh close to becoming like a professional wrestler or going to the olympics is that right well, I wouldn't say professional wrestler because that has a weird uh, connotation. But, you know, I grew up from the time I was six years old, I guess, kindergarten, first grade timing, wrestling. And uh, I wrestled through college and was an NCAA Division I All-American and ultimately um, sort of gave up on it a little after after the Olympic trials. But um, really uh, loved the sport of yeah. discipline determination and although I didn't miss the weight loss all the time of starving <laughs> myself to make weight but it was a great lesson of life of just individual sport with a team yeah. component toughness discipline grinded all the time and a lot of that stuff transfers to business too yeah I love it well let's talk about the uh, the business career then Dave how did it all uh, start and how did you get into the industry Sometimes life is full of crossroads and just decisions you look back on, Joseph, that, you know, you just go, wow, I'm so glad I made it. Um, you know, my my background, obviously, I mentioned was grew up in Pennsylvania. I, I wrestled at the University of Delaware and graduated with a computer science and electrical engineering degree, CSEE, it was called back then. 
and I really was uh, trying to figure out what to do. I got recruited quite a bit for jobs in the local area, but I sort of read that Silicon Valley was starting to happen, and um, I decided to drive my car across the country with no job and no money and um, all my belongings in a little Pontiac T-1000. Got to look that one up. I will. <laughs> my car across and, um, you know, ultimately um, made my way to Silicon Valley. And I, I kind of look back on that decision as one of the best ones I ever made because I ultimately, um, you know, came into a window where Silicon Valley was really growing and expanding. And instead of using my computer science and engineering degree, I got a degree, I got a first job in telemarketing. And I remember my dad like telemarketing, like yeah. Didn't you did a degree in engineering. I'm like, yeah, but I'm going to sell RDBMSs over to telephone. And RDBMSs stood for relational database management systems. Back then I got a job at Oracle and I was in telemarketing in the direct marketing division and talk about another lesson of life, like wrestling. All of a sudden I had to dial a phone a hundred times a day. <laughs> and if you ever dial cold calls, like 99 of them will hang up on you. And you've got to learn how to use personality. You've got to learn how to use charisma, uh, you know, and obviously have a lot of stamina. And I uh, really turn out to love it. And I ended up being one of the top sales reps every year at Oracle, got promoted, I think, four or five times during my career there and really set myself on a path that now that I kind of tasted Silicon Valley, now I really wanted more. And I always had a dream to be a CEO and to really uh, build companies and operate companies. And that started my path in that direction. Love it. So what was your first CEO position? Was that documentation? Documentum. Yeah. Documentum, Docum sorry. Not documentation, documentum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pretty close though. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was the president of two companies prior and then I took over as my first CEO role, which ironically was also a public company at the time, mm -hmm. Documentum. And um, I had a great mentor. His name's Jeff Miller. And sometimes you just need good mentors in life. And I was in my 30s, early 30s, being a CEO of a public company, which may not sound um, you know that old now, but back then it was pretty young. And for the most part, I ended up really doing well at the company, ultimately sold it to EMC for 1.9 billion mm -hmm. and uh, really had a great outcome. And uh, then began learning at EMC and then took the job at McAfee where I became CEO there and really helped grow McAfee into a great company and sold that for 7.7 .7 billion. Yeah. And biggest all cash deal, which I still have the check for, or not the check, but like the wire transfer, which is yeah. kind of a, a nice check. And and just love being a CEO ever, ever since. Yeah, yeah, nice. So I know you had a couple of gigs uh, after McAfee and and now the the founder and CEO of Night Dragon. Let's skip straight to, to Night Dragon. What what are you guys, what, what are you doing? What do you get up to right now? Yeah, I, I've really wanted to build a company from scratch, from, from the beginning. And my, all my other roles since I graduated college and university was taking over for somebody else. And I really loved the idea of creating my own idea. And I wanted to prove to myself I could, I could kind of do it. And boy, is it humbling, right? You're like, okay, so who's going to create that presentation? Wait, that's me. Uh, who's going to create that budget? Wait, that's me. Uh, wait, you know, and 
you have to kind of learn how to do everything. How am I going to get that website up and running or that dot com or that registration, all the things you know? Yeah. And these are things I sort of took for granted before, but I really wanted to build something and I wanted something that could be a legacy and I, I wanted to do good. I always say it's like mission, money, fun, learning. And at each stage, my hierarchy of needs changed a little bit. And I ended up loving the mission of cyber and national security and the idea of doing good. And then, of course, learning and having fun with people you want to work with. And, of course, money comes along along with that. But at this point, I've really tried to create a mission, which is Night Dragon's motto. It's called Securing Our World for Tomorrow. So securing our world for tomorrow. So the idea there is to put investments to work, capital to work, not just my own money and our team's money, but other people's money as a venture capital platform and help companies grow, help companies hyperscale. And that's the phase we focus on is the growth stage. So companies around 20 million of revenue to about 80 million of revenue. Our job at Night Dragon is to take them from 20 or 50 or 80 million of revenue and double and triple their revenues and potentially double and tri triple their revenue multiples by yeah. really creating a platform to scale. And that's what I learned as a CEO, how to do that. And we have an amazing team of people. Now we're over a hundred people between the employees wow. and the advisors now. So we went from party of one to hundred. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I feel like we're just getting started. And um, I just, again, love what I do. And it's been a, it's been a real honor to work with great founders and great CEOs. And I kind of laugh tongue in cheek, Joseph, because now I like, hey, it's way easier telling CEOs what to do than do it myself. <laughs> so uh, I find myself in a fun position sometimes being able to teach my, my lessons that I learned both good and bad and maybe how to help with wisdom a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, so how many investments have you actually made so far? Well, uh, let's see. Night Dragon's Growth Fund 1, which is the first institutional fund, we did 13 transactions, right. 13 companies. Before that, we did 14 in the prior fund, and I did 11 in the other one. Mm -hmm. And nice. this one will be 12 to 15 again. So each of the four incarnations of Night Dragon, this being the fourth one, and only the second institutional fund, um, we would do about 12 to 15 investments. So uh -huh. each one is about a four to five year cycle. And uh, this is our fourth go around with all of that now. And now we have a lot more capital, a lot more people. And my goal is to build kind of like an Andreessen Horowitz for growth and cyber. And I yeah. always loved Mark Andreessen. So I thought he was an innovator. So that's what I'm, I'm trying to do is build something special and unique. Passing on some of your lessons learned uh, to, to founders, obviously with such a successful career, there must have been some like some hiccups or some balls ups or notable stuff that went wrong, right? Um, what what advice do you give? I guess every founder. Is there any anything specific or anything you look for in a founder? You think, ah, uh, yeah. Well, talk to me about that. Yeah, I I, I have a lot of advice and and learnings um, and mistakes I've made and along the way. And you know, this is a guy who sat on forty five boards. You know, seventeen years and sixty eight public company quarters as CEO. Uh, you know, lots of investments we just talked about, lots of chairman roles, mentoring CEOs. Several times in my career, I took over for a founder as CEO, so I had to work with that founder. So you learn it from each direction. You know, Joseph, at the end of the day, I, I always say these four H's, 
and it sounds a little corny, okay. but I, I feel like it's really important for founders. And the four H's stand for humility. Keep your feet on the ground, know where you came from, you know, just really try to be a good, humble person at the end of the day. Success has a weird way of making people change. Fame, fortune, power kind of corrupt people. And humility is really important in everything you do. And I try my best for that every day too. Um, I always say honesty is really important, right? So whether we want to hear it on the board or not, transparency, you know, very um, open communication, open, honest communications is the only way to run a company. And that's honesty both up to your board and down to your employees. The more honest you are with them, the better you're going to attach them emotionally to the company and to yourself as a leader. So I find that. And a lot of times that transparency is not there with founders and CEOs sometimes as well as it should be. So people respond more in a crisis to you than they do in the good times to you. So the more you are humble and honest, the others, you know, I kind of look at hard work, you know, be the leader, be the hard work leader, lead from the front and, you know, be the hardest worker in the company, bar none, every day. And so there's always work-life balance, but be the leader and own it in hard work. And then the last one is hunger, ambition, right? Mm -hmm. Guts to you know, see what it is you want to accomplish. I always love the saying, Martin Luther King first said it, if you can see it, you can be it. If you can dream it, you can achieve it. If you Not can't that. see it, you can't be it. And if you can't see it and tell it to your employees and to your shareholders, constituents, you can't be it. So I always think vision, strategy, really important as part of a makeup of everything. And then the last thing I always tell them, Joseph, is, yeah, there's one thing engineering like product engineering and then there's what they call human engineering and that is as important as the product engineering and a lot of people kind of look and like human engineering so like how do you create a team how do you create a culture how do you create a company how do you rally that company around a cause how do you emotionally attach everyone to that cause because it's amazing what humans can do when motivated and if you can create that power, that power of attachment to that mission, to that vision, to that strategy, to that result, amazing things happen. So, you know, I find human engineering really important. How do you create diversity amongst your team? This isn't just like, oh, wow, we have enough women and men on the board. I mean, I'm talking diversity of background, color, you know, uh, nationality, gender, of course, sexual preference doesn't matter like surround yourself with the best people that create the most diversified views and listen to them and manage them and motivate them it makes a world of a difference and i'm very proud of you know my career when it came to diversity and it came to leadership in fact many of them i'm working with at night track are still with me 20 years later so <laughs> kind of fun or i'm with them maybe i'm with them because yeah, i'm still yeah. with them so yeah I saw you just hired um, Barbara Messer, and that was something I was going to ask you. How important has it been keeping those sort of people quite close to you? And you literally just said it then, because um, Barbara, I think you knew, what, two decades? How, how long you know her? Yeah, I know her by her maiden name, so that's <laughs> that's it. So, yeah, I mean, surround yourself with people better than yourself, right? And Barbara's a great example. Um, I've come to deeply respect her. She's been like, not just a talent manager, then a chief people officer, but then a chief operating officer, 
but more importantly, an amazing culture officer. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I was alluding to. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, like it, it, she's got like the mama gene, I call it like, you know, the, the, the mom wants to hug you and take care of you and like, but powerful and strong. And she has that skill to help heal people and heal cultures when they need, but also motivate cultures when they need it too. And so she's just been a, a credible consigliere to me over the years, but she's one of many that we have at Night Dragon like that. And um, each one's kind of a, an all-star at their position. And that's what you try to do is just hire people better than yourself in every role you can and listen to them and motivate them and amazing things happen. Yeah, awesome. I saw you also hired um, Doreen Banyol over here for, for, for an EMEA. What, what's the, the sort of plan for Night Dragon over in EMEA then? Is that your first Europe hire as such? I know she's in Israel, but covering EMEA. Yeah, so kind of the 1.0 or 2.0 versions of Night Dragon, what's mostly uh, American soil, right? It was me, then it was, you know, a couple more, then a couple more and a couple more. And mostly we focused in on kind of the Silicon Valley, Washington, D.C. Beltway, and, you know, sort of kind of the United States for the most part. Um we did a lot of transactions in Israel, but I didn't have employees in Israel. So think of us as almost an American Israeli kind of deal sourcing and fun platform, but now we're starting to scale and I'm, I'm looking to really build again, something that's never been built before, which is an operating platform on top of an investment platform. So the way I think of reimagining venture capital after all these years, was to build something of real incredible value to these founders. And it's not just capital, here's money and, you know, sit on the board and, you know, listen to board meetings, but like really create value, create scale for them and do it in a way that um, creates a powerful return for them and for us. So we've been building out the operating team and the investment team. And now we're starting to go global, building out the investment team and the operating team. So Doreen, with all her experience, an amazing individual as well, um, is able to really help us with deal sourcing, fundraising, partnerships in Israel, but we'll be starting to build out Europe as well and Asia. Mm -hmm. And as we go global, you'll see more and more personnel from us and before we're done, we'll we'll have a thousand employees here at Nature. Love that. World domination, baby. What about when you're uh, looking uh investments and who to to fundraise into what what are your what what do you look for from like an investment thesis yeah this is i always have letters because it's easy to remember Love that. H's, <laughs> h's and t's joseph so here's my t's three t's. <laughs> we'll go for the alphabet <laughs> you got four h's and three t's i got three a's to tell you about later too all right but, um, three t's are the way i think about it and i'll simplify it for a second it's called team tech and tam so what do you look for? You know, first we look for the biggest threats and the risks in the world, whether, you know, and in this day and age, we're having a lot of threats and risks, right? We're living in a, an end of an era of globalization and now a decoupling, de-risking, nationalistic kind of world, multipolar world, whatever way you want to think about it, which is creating a lot of security threats, not just cyber threats, but supply chain threats, uh, space, air, drones, AI a lot of electronic warfare, things that are happening with quantum and AI are amazing now. So we look at big threat areas and we look for the biggest total addressable markets. And then we try to come back and reverse engineer what companies 
fit that thesis and what ones are in the 20 to 80 million revenue range, our window. Then we identify those companies and we really look to due diligence, the tech, the second T. Mm. Can the tech scale? Can it scale quickly? Is it been built to internationalize and localize language? Has it been built on multiple hyperscalers? Does it leverage crowd, cloud, and AI, I like to say? And is it ready for prime time to scale? And so if you can get the TAM and the tech right, the last remaining one was what I talked about earlier, human engineering team. Can you get the right team in place? Because you put an A-plus CEO together uh, with an A-plus company, wow. You put a C-minus CEO and management team with an A-plus, bad things can happen. So how do you really get the team right? So we look at team and our ability to influence that team and coachability and mentoring, but also the tech and the TAM, and that's, that's our thesis. Nice. I want to plug a couple of other things. We've got Night Vision and also the uh, the Night Dragon Innovation Summit. What, what What's that? Well, part of our platform, Joseph, has been around uh, five key areas of value. And I'll quickly say one's yeah. talent. We talked about human engineering, yeah. people, team. Another one is around amplification or marketing. So we like to help our portfolio companies with marketing. And I'll come back to that in a, se a second. The third one is distribution or partnering. So we can help with partners and channel and development, system integrators, et cetera. The fourth area is government. And the fifth area is M&A. Yeah. And so coming back to marketing for a moment, our goal through summits and night vision is to create content that can be amplified by media to help create some sort of message to the world. And that message in the world is usually about a threat or a risk, which is great for education, but also it might be an area where we have a company whom we can evangelize a bit as part of that threat or that risk. And so we, we use our night vision events to work with public-private partnerships, this being the government together with private industry. We work with uh, innovation summits to showcase a lot of young, new talent and bring a lot of security professionals to the environment. And we use these events, we pretty much do one or two a week. And much like yourself, it's a yeah, great yeah. platform to uh, create influence. Yeah, nice. The state of cyber as well. I love that when you've uh, you've released a few of those. I really enjoyed those ones. Uh, look, I know we're coming close to the time though, so we're gonna have to do a part two on this. But look, as we're wrapping up towards the, to the end of this year, what are your predictions for 2024? Wow. Um, I didn't see that in the question. I know. That, that, that's just off the cuff, that one. <laughs> I got a couple of responses for you. You know, I'll start out with kind of the, the tougher side because I like ending things in a positive way, my personality. But the tougher is I kind of see 2024 as maybe one of the more seminal years in American history, maybe even in all of our world history. And that's a big statement, but you know, we have a lot of confluences coming into play here as we come into 2024. You all know Russian-Ukrainian conflicts, Israeli-Hamas conflicts. Uh, we've got a lot of tension in the South China Sea, or as the Filipinos like to say, the Western Philippine Sea. You've got, you know, a lot of tensions around the world. And then you have these democracy elements in 2024 with America. You have a highest threat environment we've ever seen in cyber. Uh, it's just physical threat, digital threat, geopolitical tensions, motivation, capability, all wrapped in one, creates a fairly ominous outlook going into 2024. 
the good news side of it is, you know, we've seen a couple of new technology breakthroughs that in my 35 years, you know, this is maybe the third one in all my career, maybe even the biggest one. I don't know. I measure like the invention of the internet during my time, <laughs> but generative AI has got the power to do harm and to do help. And so as humans on this planet, how do we make it do help? And especially in the world of cyber and physical threats, there is a tool now that can really help leapfrog the attackers or let the attackers leapfrog the defenders. So it's a very interesting year. And then couple that with um, quantum computing environments, couple that with some of the advancements we've seen in the cyber space for security, and then hopefully an improving economy and an atmosphere where we're able to get companies public again. And, you know, we just had a kind of a weird two-year hiatus from a lot of um, liquidity opportunities. Mm. So I'm positive on one side where, you know, directionally we're heading pretty, pretty okay. I say pretty yeah. okay, not great, but pretty okay when it comes to economic conditions and positive things around labor and positive things around interest rates and things that can really affect the economy. But Boy, when you look at the threat environment, it just okay. creates a half glass full and a half glass empty kind of scenario <laughs> that, you know, keeps me on edge. But listen, we're here at Night Dragon to help in every way we can. And hopefully our companies can make a difference too. Absolutely. And brother, wish you all the best of success. And uh, we'll definitely get a beer next time I see you on the conference circuit. <laughs> Good Thanks man. for having me. Really appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, brother. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed today's show, please like and share with your friends and colleagues as this is really important for the show's reach. If you'd like to be our next guest or are interested in Aspron Search's staffing solutions, please get in touch directly with me or reach out to us via our website, www.aspronsearch.com.